This is Gasha. Gasha Nanayabaninsky calling in to say it has been a very long 16 days getting to Krakow. Now we get to Krakow and the actual people in Krakow, they nice, but too much military. I think we need to stage a coup. Yes, I do think that. Welcome to the Geomologist Presents. That was Kasha from our T2K game. Yeah, she's uh, got a plan. And I think we'll talk about how that plan may or may not have evolved or um, been sidelined or been promoted in my recap of last week's uh, Twilight 2000 game that I play um, every other Tuesday. There's some cool players in that game. Uh, among them are my wife, Amy, who does play Kasha, and Joe Salvatore of Raven God Games. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pick that up, too, as well as giving a recap of a game I've been wanting to get to the table, whether as a player or a GM, for a very long time. And I got to play in a game of Traveler run by Shay Webster of Roleplay Rescue. So I'll give a, a summary of what happened there and my impressions so uh, which i mean both games are amazing great players very positive uh, so um yeah i also got some call-ins as responses from the last episode so um we'll get into those first hey carl jason here thank you for your christmas episode really appreciate it as far as your unboxings go with Gettysburg. I do hope maybe in 2023 you guys can come out and we can go up to Gettysburg. Lots of neat stuff up there. Hopefully that book doesn't fall into this revisionist history idea that Sickle didn't win Gettysburg on the second day for the Union. Of course, Sickle's masterful, masterful generalship and personal sacrifice saved the day there. As far as Traveler goes, it's funny because in less than a week now, I've heard you praise the UPC or the, you know, the, whatever the code is for how planets are done in Traveler. And I've heard another GM kind of trash talk it and say it's too complicated and it's hard to remember. So I, I think that's funny how two different accomplished GMs see things totally differently. Hey, Jason, I don't know if there'll be controversy. Maybe this is a book that sparked the controversy. This book was written in 1987 by Harry Fons, who was the um, former historian at Gettysburg Military Park until 1981. And I guess here's a little blurb from the second day book. Uh, Pfizer analyzes decisions and events that have sparked debate for more than a century. And particularly, he discusses factors underlying the Meade-Sickles controversy and the question about Longstreet's delay in attacking the Union left. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really a cool read, I think. I've done a lot of like you know, the Osprey-type books uh, that tackle uh, Gettysburg, but I uh, haven't read in depth, you know, what, what happened. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this, and uh, yeah, pretty cool. 
And as far as a UP, UWP, Universal World Profile Symbols, I, I definitely haven't memorized what represents what, but I know I have a product. I think it was a, a GM screen made by Digest Publications that on one panel of it, it has the UWP um, example and everything. This means this, this means that, that means that. So that's what makes it easier. It definitely can be complicated, but what I think, what I like about it, what is cool about it is that there's no, nothing on the world. The world will have a UWP and then you can glean information from that UWP and create your like little adventure or your world based on that UWP. Um, and uh, I think that's what's kind of cool. I, I am a little bit sorry that you continue to propagate the idea that Die Hard's the greatest Christmas movie. That makes me sad, but that's okay. You are definitely entitled to your opinion. I, like I say, appreciate your, your putting out podcasts. I apologize for being a downer sometimes, and I look forward to our next game together. So take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. I do not contend that Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. It just is a Christmas movie. I think that is the first line of argument there. And I did get to watch it over the weekend. But I think for me, the greatest Christmas movie, because I watch it a lot, um, maybe every year at least to watch it once, is A Christmas Story. Um, you know, You Shut Your Eye Out Kid and all that. So, um, you know, Fragile, I've made references to it in several of my podcasts. But um, yeah, I learned that there was a couple of sequels to it, one of which still has the same family. And the other, which was written by the author from which the of the short stories from which Christmas Story was taken, I think it's called Summer Stories. And the other one is that Christmas Story 2, which we watched. And it's just kind of weird because it, you know, I understand that the different child actors, but uh, the parents were different actors. And it was all right. It was cute. It was, you know, uh, Ralphie as a teenager um, trying to get a car and get the girl. Uh, and it was, I think, made for straight to DVD. So, you know, not a lot of publicity on it. But uh, I like Christmas Story. Hey there. Listen to the recap. Well, my Benny now. This time I'm going to actually call the correct show to get my Benny. But hey, I'm hedging my bet over on Jason's podcast. Because if he gives me Bennies and you give me Bennies, maybe I won't die. But do you guys really need more bennies? I mean, come on. You guys are pretty competent. You don't need them. Generally, you hit or destroy as needed in the Savage Worlds game. But if more bennies make you happy, then I do not mind giving a benny to people who call in. And uh, Jason and I were actually talking about this in another game that we played this past weekend. And yeah, maybe that could be. Is that okay? Why not give incentives to for players to call into your show. Um, so we had talked about in Call of Cthulhu, why not a D10 luck, extra luck? Or, you know, I guess in the case of DCC, an extra D3 luck or something like that. Yeah, it's probably like a, you know, blatant advertising to try to get people to call into your show or whatever it's called. But uh, why not? It's all fun. It's the holiday season. And uh, let's give a Benny to an adventurer here and there, right? Uh-huh. 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 Uh-huh.
All right. So this next recap, I got to give it some context and uh, we'll see if this works or not, but we are playing Traveler and we're using the GURPS rule set to play Traveler set in the third Imperium. And I guess to give context to what is going on in the story, we have to go back some 400 years to the creation in the third Imperium of the Salamani autonomous region. And it's an area set up by the Empress Margaret I at the time to, for the Salamani to give a re granted control of a region of space within 50 parsecs of Terra. So Terra uh, to the Salamani governing body, right? So the Third Imperium is this 1,100-year-old uh, empire that rules the region of known space, which includes Earth, Terra, and... Uh, 400 years ago from the present day, or circa 1100, this autonomous region was created. However, while for 200 years the Imperium effectively ignored the region, they concentrated on the core word frontiers by non 940 apparent oppression of non-human and non-Solomani worlds forced the Empress Margaret II at the time to revoke that region's charter. So while Diplomatic actions proved fruitless. It was then decided to forcibly reintegrate the region. Uh, the Soleimani resisted, and this led to the Soleimani Rim War, which lasted from 990 to 1002, a sort of 12-year war. But and by the end of the war, the Imperium had taken a, lice, a large slice out of the Soleimani sphere, including the homeworld of Terra, but had failed to conquer the region. So that is where we open up our story uh, which is set in the Soleimani Rim, in the Imperium to start with, we actually start um, overlooking Luna. And uh, who are the stars of the show, you ask? Well, there are six characters uh, played by some people you know and some people you might not know. So I play Ronaldo Reichs. He is a journalist from the Frontier region. Um, someone you might know named Barry at GM Shadow plays Brenton Corman in ex-Navy rating. Then we also have Jean Rajan, who's played by Jason Connerly, who's ex-security uh, in the, Sol I think from, uh, who was ex-Solomani actually. So um, even though we're in Imperial space, he is an ex-Solomani. He has an interesting past. Then we have uh, several other players, three other players who don't have podcasts or YouTubes or whatnot that I know of. And they are Cassie Pearson, who is a, an engineer, Harold Joan Kyla, who is an ex-scout, an archaeologist, and Riggs Beyer, who is an ex-marine. And all of us have been hired by this corporation. The corporation is called the Carby Innovations LLC. And we have all been hired to join the expedition of the Serene Dawn. And the Serene Dawn is this large exploration vessel, and uh, we, we all have jobs upon the starship. So uh, we are being shuttled up to the starship. We board from Copernicus down on Luna, and as we board the spacecraft, we all kind of go in. None of the player, player characters know each other. Uh, they might know of each other. We find that out later. Uh, we all sit, and I thought it was really cool what Shay did is that he had us kind of choose where he wanted to sit, and he kind of noted that down. I did not know why. 
but uh, interesting. I'm like, oh, okay, kind of cool. So I ended up sitting, or Ronaldo, hi. Ronaldo ended up sitting. Well, so you can tell already I'm getting into this game because I'm already referring to my character in first person. But Ronaldo Reich sits in the front starboard, put his lo- puts his lockbox underneath. We're allowed to carry uh, weapons, small weapons on our person, not on our person, but in the secure box. And we take off standard is take off the standard. We fly over the lunar landscape and look into the heavy traffic of Luna. Uh, suddenly, we get an announcement. You know, like ding ding. Uh, we get an announcement um, from the ship. There's no steward on the shuttle. It's a 20 minute flight. Who needs a steward? Uh, Captain Dren comes on, and then they ask for me. They ask for Ronaldo Rikes, and a security guard uh, has a hold up pistol. Has hasn't drawn it, but ready to draw it. And then I'm like, man, I have a feeling. So my character has a background that he's a journalist. He's reported on conditions on the front. And while he feels he's been biased, it's possible that he could have pissed off the wrong kind of people. So maybe he's pissed these people off before what he thinks the security guard will do is go to the next step. If Ronaldo doesn't show him, if Mr. Reichs doesn't show himself, I'm going to start shooting prisoners. Ronaldo um, makes himself known since he doesn't want others to get hurt. Um, well, it works. He looks at me. He takes a shot. Uh, I dodge the first one. And then other people take action, which is kind of cool. So the other players, they jump into action. Um, you can get the different perspective. I'm trying to focus on the perspective of Ronaldo, but you can get a different perspective from Jason Connerly. I know from Ronaldo's point of view, uh, one woman gets up and goes at the man who's shooting at, at me. Um, there's some commotion in the back as well. There's probably another terrorist on board, as far as Ronaldo might know. Um, I try to get my bag, and I try to dodge the next shot, but I fail, and I kind of roll into it, and I go down bleeding. So when my character comes to, um, there's another man giving him first aid, and this is Harold, who introduces himself, I believe. Yes, it is Harold who kind of brings me to, gives me first aid. Uh, The bastards ruin my suit, I think. yeah, and, and then I learned about other people. Uh, there's apparently they took out. Well, I, after I went down, uh, the other player characters took out the uh, hijackers, and I learn and I see that um, one of the hijackers who was in the back apparently was Ashley Palace, an Imperial Marine who survived a raid and had disappeared, presumably captured, and. Uh, Apparently, Jean and Riggs took her down. And then the other man, Jim Torre, also ex-military, ex-imperial. So, and I know that they work or they were associated with a group called the Rule of Terra, which is a relatively insignificant terrorist organization with Soleimani leanings. And uh, the weapons are of Soleimani design. So we are, I mean, my character doesn't do much. The other characters actually took... Uh, Captain took Captain Dren, who happened to be someone else. Um, Harold knew who he was. He's also an ex-scout. Um, and he is very angry at me as I tried to interview him, very defiant. Uh, the only thing we get is a, that they're, they work for or they were set up by a man named Vassant James. And the company, uh, the Carby company, wants us to investigate. So generally we decide to, we want to do this. Um, oh, Apparently, while I was unconscious, there was a. Uh, they also learned of a bomb on board, and uh, by the brilliant work of 
the player and the player character, the player who plays Cassie, and uh, I think uh, who else? I think maybe it was Riggs. Someone else helped, but uh, they were able to uh, get the bomb off the ship and Carby company with the Serene Dawn uh, confiscated the explosion. I don't know if they detonated it, but they confiscated it for forensic uh, examination. But we are hired. Uh, we do have some some leads that were obtained by Gene, and uh, he learns that they were at the Alexandria Hotel, a posh hotel in Copernicus Down. Um, it looks like they also had dead man switches on a grenade. Uh, so they this was kind of a suicide mission for these people um, with the bomb on board the shuttle. That makes sense. Maybe they were trying to get me. Maybe I was just a cover, but definitely they could have hurt because they had not. They didn't detonate the bomb uh, when they had a chance to. Um, they might be were gonna kill me and wait till they got to the Serene Dawn and blow it up because if that would be a big uh, a big hit, this big Imperial corporation uh, gets punched in the nose by the rule of Terra, that could help their cause. Who knows? Anyway, we have a room to go to, and we go down to the Alexandria Hotel, having taken the job uh, from the company, and uh, we don't really find anything in the hotel. I mean, uh, Reichs goes up there along with Gene and Riggs, while the others wait in the lobby to see if they see this Vincent James come in. He does not. We find some other clues. We find... Um, uh, Albany Heights, 13A Albany Heights in the Jolly Roger Bar. Albany Heights is a place in another part uh, on Luna, a more industrial, uh, lower class housing type of place. Um, so we know that that's a lead. And there's a Jolly Roger Bar um, that is also a lead. And we figure there's going to be a lot of Solomani sympathy there. So we're going to go there the next time with, um, not with guns blazing, but very warily. It was a really great opening session uh, i felt shape captured what i the view the feel of traveler i mean i guess you could put any sci-fi but he added in those extra details to me which kind of gave it the traveler traveler feel you know i it's it's a game that like i said i've been wanting to play for a long time and i really i really felt in the verse and uh, a, a fantastic gms like shay uh, can do that. They can immerse you um, in, into the verse. And I, you know, I, I did not create my character. Uh, Shay did it. Kudos to him. We, he asked me a lot of questions. I answered back and he put the character together. And I have, I've not played GURPS 4th edition before. So I'm just kind of going with it without any knowledge of how things work or whatever. I guess I have some XP uh, to spend. Hopefully I spend them wisely. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll spend them in character. So I'll just get my character to immerse. I don't want him to be a combat monkey. I want him to be, um, you know, a journalist, right? Maybe he has some secrets from his past. Maybe he doesn't. But um, yeah, it's a very cool game. Can't wait for the next time to play, which is going to be New Year's Eve. So the other game that I participated in, I ran this time, was our ongoing Twilight 2000 game. And we are playing uh, through the Poland series, really. So these were published way back in the early 80s. 
and uh, they take you through the breakout after the Battle of Kalit and into the magical, mystical city of Krakow, and then on to other adventures around Poland with the intent, maybe, for the characters to go home if they're Americans. In the older game, the conceit was that all the characters were Americans and part of an American unit, but in this new game, it's a fourth edition of the game, you could be other nationalities, so it really depends. So just to uh, remind you, let's hear what Kasha said at the beginning of the session of this episode. This is Kasha, Kasha Nanayabaninsky, calling in to say it has been a very long 16 days getting to Krakow. Now we get to Krakow and the actual people in Krakow, they nice. But too much military. I think we need to stage a coup. Yes, I do think that. And that is true. There's one cool thing we did. We established a bit of the timeline. It has been about 16 days. It is August 2nd of the year 2000 when the characters kind of roll into or the convoy of refugees in the guise of an American uh, medical unit. Uh, rolls into Krakow, and that's kind of where we picked up um, from this story. There was a, sto- a story of what happened to most of the refugees back at the camp and the farm outside of Krakow and when they rolled in, and then there was a story of Tops, and he made contacts with the DIA agents in Krakow. So Tops is watching as these guys roll in, and uh, they kind of get to work. It's pretty cool. So they get Barrett and Fuentes to start setting up a hospital room, unloading the ambulance. Uh, Wilkins and some of the firemen start uh, clearing the building that they've uh, commandeered. And the firemen start setting up, uh, as well as uh, Ronson, start setting up you know, firing lines and positions for fortifications, you know, kind of getting what barricades they can, making makeshift sandbags, etc., to fortify the entrance to this courtyard and the back entrance to this building that they are clearing. So, so they have like some teams, part of the units, uh, the NPCs that are there to set things up, you know, like Diaz and uh, Humphreys, the quartermasters are setting up supply and stock, getting the still uh, ready to go, etc. Meanwhile, the characters, Kasha, Jonesy, and um, Grunts go to talk to Henry. They take a, uh, um, the one-armed electrician, his name is England, Private England, who fixed the microwave, and they take it to Henri. Uh, they get some intel. Um, they uh, right. So, what else do they do here? Uh, they get some more intel on the on the um, on the place. They uh, from Henri. They learned a bit more about. The city, for example, something interesting about the city was that uh, there's no planes. His traffic is on the river. Uh, they do learn that there is a that the there is a helicopter at the castle, though. Um, I think Tops learned that the last time as well. So, um, so anyway, and uh, then they're going to go. They they want to go visit the church. They really want to you know help these kids that they have with them uh, to either put them in an orphanage or some sort of school. Actually, was I thought was really cool. The benefit is that um, Amy kind of came, came up with a to-do list 
uh, for Kasha. To One of them is to keep the kids safe and together, find a building, start a hospital, learn more about how to make medicine than just the herbal remedies, get rid of the marauders, rebuild the farm for kids to have a legacy, find the kid's mother who Cutler kind of smugly told them was being held captive by the marauders, uh, deal with the prisoner. They have a prisoner and... Uh, they're debating on who to turn him over to. I think they want to make points with the local police force, maybe the army. So they're de deciding on what to do, to, maybe to give to the police force to hand over their prisoner and then deal with the marauders. Um, they have this journal of Cutler. I think it's in top possession. They need to break that code. Uh, she wants to start a school, like I said, and then maybe rebuild Krakow. Perhaps like you heard in the in little intro that Kasha gave, she would like to stage a coup or at least work for public office help her friends get home, and then she put at the end, get a cat or a dog. Uh, there's plenty of wild dogs, uh, dog packs roaming Krakow, so that could be a possibility. So uh, as part of these things, they go to visit the church, but oddly, there's some guards in the front of the church. Um, yeah, and they, uh, they say that they'll pass on the information. They get stopped by some detectives, um, and they kind of, after that, and they... They kind of get through that diplomatically. Jonesy's kind of waiting in the wings just in case. Uh, they ask for papers, which they have. Um, Kasha demands to see the leader of the town, who's called the Rada. Um, and they're like, I don't think so, but we'll pass it on. Are you guys the part of the Americans that they see Grunts' you know, weapons and stuff? Are you part of the Americans that came in? They say yes. They're like, okay, well, we'll pass it on to the uh, powers that be and expect us to come by tomorrow to co to collect taxes. So now the players expect that they're going to have to make some sort of payment or something to these people. They also get some other intel from them, just in the conversation, um, that uh, they some places have electricity, but they can't get oil. They generally use steam power. Uh, the RADA is rationing, especially of medical services and supplies. And uh, they, Kasha reemphasizes the need to go to the castle to ask for these, but the, these police detectives say, no, no, um, we'll have him come to you. So they take off, and guess what? The players follow. So um, they follow him at a distance uh, through the city blocks, and uh, at some point, uh, one of them takes a right and goes towards the, what they learned was like the abandoned university. So Jonesy says, I'm going to follow that guy and see what he's up to. While uh, Grunts and Kasha uh, continued following these guys towards the castle. So uh, let's get back to Jonesy in a second. So Grunts and Kasha, they follow these guys towards the castle. They see they go into the castle. So Kasha moves up to try to get in herself. Following these guys where Grunts tries to hide and, to and kind of fails, uh, gets hit by spotlights. So as Kasha is running up, the guards at the at the uh, checkpoint into the castle say, "Ma'am, ma'am, there's someone following you." So they there's a they whistle. They tell him to stop. It's grunts. He comes out. He puts his hands up. Um, Kasha says, "Oh, he's with me." And they're like, "Oh, what's this all about?" And Kasha says, "Well, I want to visit the the Rada. Um, I want to talk to him." And they say, "Okay, well, give me your information." So she does, but uh, she does not get an immediate audience despite her protestations. And she tell the, these guards tell them to leave. It's late. Um, it's after dark. 
you're, you could get trouble uh, while it's safe. Sometimes it's not type of thing. So come back tomorrow or maybe the Rada will come to you. Probably because she's put up such a big stink with the added information um, or intel that they will have gotten that these Americans rolled in uh, to squat in the inner city. I'm sure they will get a visit. It should be interesting. Um, they don't take grunts into custody. Uh, they instead just take the bullets from his magazine and give him an you know, empty magazine back with and a machine gun or M16 now with no bullets. So they head back. It's hard on Kasha's hip. Um, so they need to get back and make sure that things have been done with the setup and prepare for the next day. Meanwhile, Jonesy has followed this guy um, who apparently was like a lieutenant to the uh, captain detective. And uh, he goes into one of the museums. Uh, Jonesy has a confrontation with him before he goes in. And Jonesy plays it off, doesn't get shot. The guy actually drew on him. But Jonesy kind of plays it off, says he's just uh, lost and a bum, uh, which is fine. But then he sees a man goes into the museum and Jonesy tries to follow him. But he, he kind of is there a fire escape on the museum. And that's a cool thing about this game, too. I can look at pictures of Krakow um, in the Google and give them distances and, and what the scenes look like. And um, even though this place is abandoned, sure, there is a museum and it has trees growing on the side. And I said, well, these trees are probably overgrown now. So you could probably climb up to the roof from the trees because they're so overgrown and with all the vines. So Jonesy does that and he sees like a guard on like a sniper position on the roof. He totally, well, I had him do like a contested stealth and uh, he had, he, Jonesy could have had the jump on this sniper um, up there and he kind of suspects the sniper with his Russian weapons might be a Russian or Soviet, actually, I guess it's Soviet is more appropriate uh, for this game and time period. So he sneaks into the museum. He goes in, he sneaks around, uh, make it very tense with a roll here or there. And he avoids, he sees some cameras on the, on the first floor and avoids them, gets into the stairwell, finds a locked door leading to the basement. And he is unable to, you know, he is able to unlock it. But that's where we stopped as he, as the door clicks open while he's ducking the panning of the cameras. And we'll see what lies behind the door the next time um, in Krakow. So I think it's really cool. The player characters are exploring the city. Uh, the players are learning about the verse, learning who they're going to piss off and who they're not, who they're going to make allies with and who they're not. And we'll see what kind of trouble they get into the next time. So what do you think? Will Kasha, will Kasha get her coup? Will they figure out the mystery of St. Mary's Church? Um, I don't know. It's a neat game. And uh, I'm enjoying playing it. So what are, what's a Fellfire Hawk? Like uh, you might have seen that I accidentally called one of these things Fellfire Hawk. Um, I think that's what I called the uh, Audacity file. But uh, I was very excited. I play World of Warcraft, and there is this achievement called Mount Tacular. You collect 250 mounts, and guess what? I got 250 mounts on one of my... I mean, they're shared all over the characters now, not like it used to be in a 
classic vanilla WoW, but uh, one of my characters, or at least a few of my characters, can use 250 mounts, and uh, that's pretty cool. I, I think it was funny how I realized this. I was like at 243, and I'm like, um, wow, what? And then I looked at my characters, and I realized I was looking through the different characters, and I realized I don't. I have some Alliance players, but none of my Alliance players have Elven mounts, all the sabers that you can get, the various kind of cat mounts that you can get. I'm like, oh man, do I have a Night Elf character? And I kind of do. It's a Demon Hunter. Um, the Demon Hunter is revered with, with uh, Darnassus. So I had to travel to Darnassus, and I was able to buy all eight mounts to get me over the 250. And yeah, now I have a Fellfire Hawk mount for all my tunes. I'm pretty psyched. I'm a collector, both of games and of in-game things. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing this holiday, uh, playing games and playing on WoW. So there you go. That's a Fellfire Hawk. Maybe I'll put it as a cover to this episode. And I'd like to thank again, then, if we come to the conclusion, as we come to the conclusion of this episode. I want to thank um, my callers, uh, Amy and Amy slash Kasha, that is, uh, Jason Connerly of, High, of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and uh, yeah, the GM Shay Webster of Roleplay Rescue for running that awesome traveler game, my players, of course, and TJ Drennan for the music, and I'll talk to you guys next time.